Hey, Laura. Yeah? You ready to talk about Leo? Always. Gentle listeners, and welcome to Let's Talk About Leo. This, uh, that was an iambic pentameter, actually. Wow. That was impressive. Thanks. Good morrow, gentle listeners, and welcome to Let's Talk About Leo. <laughs> oh, no! Ah, <laughs> oh, Shakespeare nerds unite. Um, anyway, this is the podcast where we discuss the body of work of Leonardo DiCaprio, one film at a time. This week, we are talking about the 1996 masterpiece by Baz Luhrmann. Romeo and Juliet, or as uh, you know, everyone else calls it, Romeo and Juliet. Um, I am Meredith, and with me, as always, is my trusty sister and fellow Leo lover, Laura. Hello, Laura. Hello. Hi. Hey. Uh, how are you? Um. <laughs> right now, I'm I'm kind of in a pit of despair and humiliation. Why? Actually, okay. So it's a it's not about Leo. Um, but here's a little story. Is this a I personal went, problem? It's a little bit personal, but it's it's kind of funny. Okay. So I went to work today, and I was feeling totally fine up until like 3.30, just after I had eaten a baked potato. Like, I eat a baked potato like 20 minutes, and then I was sitting there, and all of a sudden I got this horrible headache, and my stomach started hurting, and I was like, oh, I have to get out of here. So I didn't even like really take the time to find my direct supervisor. I just found somebody else and was like, would take my place and be like, I got to go home. And then all the way home, I was like, I just have to get home. It was horrible because uh, I thought I might die on the freeway home. And then I just got to my house and I didn't even bother to put my pajamas on. I just took all my clothes off and got into my bed and went to sleep. So two, my, now I work with my dad. So that's another piece of information. Oh, our dad. But our dad. Yeah. Two hours later, I'm just waking up and I hear this like frantic, like, Rap, 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 on the front door. And I'm like, uh-oh, I know exactly who that is because I didn't tell him I was leaving. But I didn't say anything because he wasn't identifying himself. So I'm like, oh, I'll just put my clothes on and answer the door. But he's like, rap, 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 rap. So I just pick up my article of clothing to put on and he bursts in the door and it's our father. Oh, <laughs> and I'm no! And I'm standing there just barely covered by the shirt I was going to put on. And I'm like, uh, dad, what are you doing? And he's like, you didn't tell anyone where you were going and you didn't answer your phone. (laughs) I was like, get out of my house, man. (laughs) And he just stood there and I was like, please shut the door. And he's like, well, okay, fine. And then he shuts the door. But it was (laughs) so horrible. It was horrible. Like, identify yourself when you're rapping on someone's door, like, the apocalypse is happening. <laughs> and then he's like, lock, the, lock your door so people can't burst in. Lock your but door actually, so I- crazy people can't come <laughs> running into your house while you're naked, Laura. But I basically had, I just did it really fast and it didn't actually latch. So, but, okay, so I, but yeah, I'm feeling much better now. I don't know what it was. It was like, all of a sudden I got super sick and then all of a sudden I was better. So, you know what? That's totally um, happened to me before. I, I puked in the bushes outside mom and dad's house once like that on oh. Valentine's Day and then I went to work. Oh, yeah. No, I didn't puke or anything. I just had a headache and 
a tummy ache. It was really strange. I think it was from that baked potato. Um, anyway, oh, I'm fine now. Yeah, I don't think anyone has ever gotten ill from one baked potato. Well, nice to meet you. I'm the first person. It's been a pleasure. Uh, <laughs> okay. But now I'm I'm, re- I'm ready and raring to go, ready to talk about Leo. Yes, queen. Okay, so because there's a lot to talk about this there, week. There is. We're gonna we're gonna cram a lot into a relatively small amount of time. So let's get to it. Um, okay. So this this episode won't come out for a few weeks, but uh, the Oscars were last night. Is that right? I don't know what day it is. When were they? <laughs> they were on Sunday, what, what, and what? today is um, Thursday. Are you sure? Yeah. Oh, I need to get my brain checked. So, I don't ever know what day it is. Like, if I ever go to the hospital and they're like, what What day is it? What year is it? Who's the president? I'm going to be like, I don't know the answer to any of those questions. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, I would never know the answer to those questions. <laughs> I mean, I know who the president is, but like, I don't know. I don't know what year it is. I write 2016 all the time. Sometimes I write 1974. It's, I think my conscious tra- time travels. But anyway, so the Oscars were sometime in the past week. Uh, yes. Did you watch them, Laura? Uh, yes, I watched. Of course I watched. Um, our man was there. I know, but he wasn't there for as long as I wanted him to be there. Well, I mean, he doesn't participate in everything. He doesn't sit in the audience. Um, and he doesn't do the carpet otherwise known as he doesn't go to the oscars he doesn't he just walks out on the stage does his thing and walks back oh by the way i need to oh and does his thing well by the way but i need to um i i made a mistake uh a couple episodes ago or the last episode when we were talking about the oscars and i said he was gonna hand it to one of those uh five actors who were nominated i totally forgot that it's opposite gender so he actually um and thank god because i would much rather see him proudly beam at emma stone with her statue than be anywhere near the garbage person that is casey affleck so, i don't understand who um, you're talking about casey affleck i've never heard of him i'm i'm so sorry a garbage person casey affleck. thank you thank you <laughs> Um, can we, like, give a shout-out to Brie Larson for just glaring at him and not clapping when he won? Yes. What's up, Brie? Oh, Brie. Oh, Brie. It's so how so many of us felt. Um, and then poor Denzel was, like, sobbing in the audience. So, anyway, um, yeah, I, I mean, I thought it was, um, I thought it was a really good Oscars. I mean, other than the awful choice for Best Actor, it seemed to be a pretty smooth night. Up until the very end, when all hell broke loose. Oh, I mean, this is going to be such old news by the time, you know, this comes out. But No, but I just, you know. like, it is just insane to me that, like, all of our national events of the past 365 days have been totally normal until the very end. And then the wrong, like, the, not the wrong thing, but, like, something freaking crazy happened to, like, change the results. Do you know what I mean? Surprise! It's like the Super Bowl yeah. and the election and the Oscars, and it's like, ah, I can't handle it. It's too stressful. Yeah. I mean, it was very sad for the, I feel bad for both movies because La La Land obviously thought they won and they were all excited and thought they were so close to the dream and then got it ripped away from them in front of millions of people. But then Moonlight didn't get the appropriate time to give the speeches they probably wanted to. It was like totally overshadowed by the whole. Uh, well, yeah, and now no one's talking about how great it is that, you know, a movie with, like, all black characters and the main character is also gay one, which has, like, never happened, and that it's basically, like, an indie movie. 
And everybody's just talking about how gracious the 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 La La Land people are for handing over what wasn't theirs. Well, they were very gracious. Yeah, but it's like, it's just basic manners. Like, we've gotten to this point where the bar for manners is so low that if you're just simply like, you know what, this isn't mine, I'll give it to you, you're an amazing hero. Yeah. <laughs> very upsetting <laughs> to me. <laughs> I was, I was... Here, I was mostly concerned because I thought it might be Leo's fault. Oh my god, me too. The sheer, I cannot even tell you, I cannot even tell you of the sheer panic and terror that went through my body when I was like, (laughs) who was the last person we saw with the Emma Stone envelope? And I was like, F! (laughs) Yeah, because he, he didn't give Emma the envelope with the statue. It was in his hand when they walked off the stage, and I was like, oh... Oh no! I I don't want him to be to blame. And then I was like, "Don't be so rude to him. He's never done this before. This is his first time presenting." He also one thousand probably didn't yeah, go to rehearsal. One thousand percent didn't show up for <laughs> rehearsal. He was like, "Guys, I have an Oscar. I've got this. <laughs> I've done this before." But not to worry. It was not his fault. There are photos of Emma Stone holding the envelope afterwards, and. It apparently they have so what the, what it is is they have two briefcases and two sets of envelopes because this is the dumbest reason I've ever heard. They don't know which side the presenters will be entering from. I'm sorry, what now? They don't know what side the presenters are going to be entering from, so they just have two briefcases and two sets of envelopes on both sides of the stage. It seems like a very solvable problem. It's a 1,000% solvable problem. And it also just seems like basic stage managing. Like, every Broadway production knows when where people are entering from and has their props and costumes on those sides. Yeah, they don't... <laughs> can you imagine if, like, Hamilton had every prop and costume on both sides? Yeah, they sides. had, like, 56 <laughs> guns. Like, 56 <laughs> revolutionary-era muskets and, like, three-cornered hats. <laughs> Half of which didn't get used because they didn't enter from oh that side. Oh my god, the, the sheer budget problems alone. I mean, it's really stupid. It's a really stupid thing. And apparently this the guy, there's a guy to blame and his name, I forgot. Brian. But he looks like it's Brian. It's always oh, a Brian. Brian. You, Brian. Uh, and Brian looks like a Cro-Magnon, Matt Damon. Oh, I like Matt Damon. Well, I know. I'm just saying he's like, he's he's similar, but like, Oh my god. You know, oh my god. Hold on. You know how I have this, like, belief about the, the parallel universes and we're in the wrong one? Yeah. Which I'm not going to explain further. It's pretty self-explanatory. What if that is mm-hmm. alternate universe evil Matt Damon and he crossed <laughs> over to, like, mess with Jimmy Kimmel? Oh, my God. Maybe. I solved it. Everybody, we can go home now. <laughs> alternate <laughs> universe evil Matt Damon <laughs> finally won over yeah. on Jimmy Kimmel. It was Jimmy Kimmel, right? Like, they're all the same person to me, except for Stephen yeah. Colbert. No, it was Jimmy Kimmel. Um, oh, I liked that whole bit with Matt Damon. I was watching with our, well, with mom. Dad wasn't there. And we, she noticed that Leo was not in the audience or anywhere. And she was like, oh, what, does he just think he's better than everyone? And I'm like, well, yeah. He is. Um, Mom, <laughs> Leonardo freaking DiCaprio. He is better than everybody else. Yeah. He doesn't have to show up if he doesn't want to. And I have this whole elaborate fantasy that I was texting Meredith about in real time during I'm the sorry. Oscars. 
So when everyone is everyone's on the carpet, I'm like, ah, Leo's alarm just went off to remind him he needs to shower. And then the show starts and I'm picturing him going into his closet and getting his fancy tux out and slipping it on. And oh, my God. Do you think hair. that he texts Kate a picture before he leaves being like, do I look nice? <laughs> oh, that would be so cute. I bet he does that in real life. I would put good money on it. She says, of course, darling, I'm obsessed with you. Um, slicks back his hair, then he jumps in his Prius and stops for a smoothie. And then he arrives just in time to get handed the envelope and walk on stage. Okay, so really quick clarifying question about this uh, fantasy that you have here before we move on sure. to the actual movie we're supposed to be talking about. What mm-hmm. kind of smoothie did Leo get? A green smoothie. Um, banana. Mango. Uh, coconut water, spinach, and spirulina. I think he'd have some blueberries in there, too. He needs a little more sweetness. Oh, mangoes are very sweet. By the way, that's the smoothie that I have, like, every day. So that's why I made him get that Oh, my new favorite is mango, (laughs) banana, ginger, cayenne pepper, apple cider vinegar, and kale. It's called a spicy lady Mm. at the juice shop, if anybody wants it. Ooh, that's nice. Okay. On okay. to This Week in Leo. I have a Leo story. This Week in Leo. Someday we'll have Blake make us actual. Well, yeah, because that was really off-key and not even in... <laughs> Someday we'll have him make us transitional music. Um, do you have Leo news? <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I have, have Leo any. news. It was just that... Oh, awesome. I, I'm excited. Please what is it? Yourself. It's incredibly delightful. Okay, I'm ready. <gasps> okay. So I have been listening to the podcast Missing Richard Simmons. Oh, everybody's listening to that. As they should be, because I'm very concerned about Richard Simmons' well-being. Richard Simmons' well-being. People with S's at the end of their last mm-hmm. name. Terrible choice. Um, Richard Simmons' <laughs> But I'm very concerned about his well-being. I've kind of, I like, have been following the story loosely since it broke. Um, but now I'm like, oh, I'm really curious as to why Richard Simmons disappeared three years ago. Anyway, in the first episode, the host of the show, who is a friend of Richard Simmons, like goes on one of those Hollywood house like celebrity house tours where you like get in like a fifteen passenger van and like they have like a map and they're like, This is where Tom Cruise lives although you can't get to his house because Scientology guards it. But like That's creepy. What? Tom Cruise's house? No, getting in a van and driving past people's houses. But they're celebrities, so obviously they deserve it. So anyway, yeah. They're on their way to do this to to go to Richard Simmons' house because apparently he used to like come out and meet every single person in every single van every single time, and um, but he doesn't Aww. do that anymore. And so apparently one Mr. Richard Simmons lives very near to one Mr. Leonardo DiCaprio, and so they're driving past, and the driver goes, "Yeah, that's Leonardo DiCaprio's house. See how there's like two houses? There's one for him and one for his mom, which is super super sweet." Oh. He made his yeah, mother a house, probably not with his own hands, but yeah, with, with his, his dollars. Yeah, with his dollars. He, you know, he, he takes care of his mama, mm-hmm. which is real sweet. Um, and then he's like, yeah, Mrs. DiCaprio does not like us. Nine times out of ten, she comes down and <laughs> comes out and sprays you with a hose. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's because her last name isn't DiCaprio. What's her last name? It's like, I, um, I looked it up. It's some, it's very German. It's like a German last name. I can't say it. I'm looking it up right now. Google machine. Leonardo DiCaprio, mom. Oh my god, this is this is really German. Yeah, she's straight up German. Okay, I've got it. Irma Lynn is her first name. 
Oh, that's adorable. Inden Birkin. Irmelin Inden Birkin. Wow. Of course. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, she's a blessed lady because that's a really cool name and she's a lovely woman and her son. It would also is be awesome. terrifying to have yelled at you in a German accent. Irmelin Inden Birkin. <laughs> <laughs> She doesn't have to spray people with the hose. She just has to come out and yell her own I know. That would them. totally work. That'd be really funny. Anyway, that's that's my Leo news. Oh, that's funny. Well, I, I mean, what's she doing outside with the hose? Like, she's just she waiting for them to, to come work. by? She that is Leonardo DiCaprio. She's like, all right, time to go down the driveway and spray people with the hose. It, he doesn't have a gate? I don't know, because Richard Simmons didn't for a long, until like a year ago. When our sister used to live down the street from, um... Kathy. I know, I lived there too. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You used to live down the street from Kathy. Kathy Griffin. I always want to say Kathy Kathy Griffith, but it's Griffin. Um, And also Noah Wiley and the guy um, who played Oscar on The Office. There were a bunch of famous people around there. And supposedly Lance Bass and his beautiful husband lived near to us, but I never saw them. Thank God for them because that would have been talk about stalking. Oh my no! I would. I mean, I'm already stalking Lance Bass. I repeatedly ask him to bring me a dog on Instagram. You would be like in the bushes, and I know I'd be like, I would leave notes. Dear Lance Bass and beautiful husband. Oh, he is beautiful. All right, though we are far in, and we have not even started with. Yeah, I hope you you gentle listeners have a long commute today because this is going to be a long one. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Because I've got a lot to okay. say. Laura. 1996. Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. Yes. What oh is your... I mean, I know that you've seen this movie. I'm not going to insult you by asking. Thank you. Um. So please tell me and the gentle listeners what your personal history with this movie is. My personal history with this movie is I was 12 years old when it came out. It came out November 1st, 1996. A beautiful day. A beautiful day. I'm not sure if I saw it on the first day. I could have been 13 because I turned 13 shortly after that. But um, I was 12 or 13. I can hear those clicking, by the way. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was important. <laughs> um, my story is important. <laughs> I had to text somebody about the results of season two of The Great British Baking Show. <laughs> okay. I am going to need your full attention. <laughs> okay. I'm paying full attention. <laughs> And you remember there there was that old movie theater where um in like the Madonna Plaza? Yes, the one where we saw Dick Tracy. Yes. I saw mm-hmm. it there. I saw it with my um my uh heterosexual life partner Lisa. Wait, that movie theater still existed in nineteen ninety six? Yeah. Oh I guess I saw Flubber there in like ninety seven or ninety eight. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. I have no focus today. I will shut up now. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I saw it mostly with Lisa. We saw it seven times in the theater. I was kind of aware of Leo ahead of time because of growing pains and stuff. But the second he came on the screen, when he's wearing that black suit with the wide white collar and his hair is like possibly greasy or possibly has a lot of product in it or possibly both, I was in capital L-O-V-E. It was like a little Cupid came down and struck my little prepubescent heart and obviously i have never recovered so yeah i saw it several i saw it seven times in the theater it was glued to the screen the whole time i didn't understand the language at that point but i just understood the giggly electric feeling that i had during it 
And like most teenagers, I thought that it was like the epitome of the perfect love story. I actually had a crush on a kid named, you remember this, Nick at the time. Of course I do. <laughs> and even though uh, he definitely did not care for me, <laughs> it, was completely, <laughs> it was completely unrequited. That's my, I was convinced that my love for him was just as strong as Juliet's for Romeo, which is probably true because uh, she was 13 also. Yeah, and, and it was crush- based on like just as much. <laughs> yeah, and she had yeah, exactly. Actually I probably knew that kid better. Um and she had a crush on a dude she barely knew. Yeah, so I really related. Like I thought, oh man, this is my story. This I this Shakespeare gets me. And I was obsessed and I, I bought the play I didn't understand the language, like I said, but I bought the play and I read the whole thing and I memorized it, which I can still do a lot of the scenes by heart. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I could still do a huge portions of it. And I became obsessed with Leo. I had, like, pictures of him. Did I have him on my wall, or did I hide them? Um, well, this was pre-NSYNC, right? Yeah, we had a big wall of NSYNC, but I don't think we had a big wall of Leo. No, I ha- I definitely had, like, a Titanic poster on my wall at one point. The one of him and yeah, Rose. That was like, later. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I think I made Mom keep it. It's still in her attic. Because I'm still convinced it's <laughs> worth money. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't remember if they were on your wall, but you definitely like you had like that little book. You gave me that little book. I did. Yeah, there. It's okay. So it's a little book. It's like what is it? Like two inches by two inches. It's like a little pocket pocket book. It's a pocket DiCaprio book that you gave me. Why did I give that to you? I don't know. You just did. Did I save and up my allowance and buy you a pocket DiCaprio book? That would be the sweetest thing in the world. And here's the second sweetest thing. It's with me all the time. It's in my glove compartment all the time. <laughs> but so, isn't that an accident? You we we, we like yeah. put it in there for a reason, like years ago. I think we took it to show it to someone, and then you never took it out. <laughs> yeah, it got like shoved in there for some reason, and then I never took it out, and then I noticed it, and I was like, I'm never taking this out. Oh no no no! I knew you were moving. It was when you were moving. Oh, okay. Yeah, and we should put it in there, and. um it just stays there now. I travel with I travel with Leo. You're like one of those times. people who has like <laughs> like you know how grandma has like a framed picture of Jesus next to her chair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't have any pictures of Leo in my house, just oh, in case anybody's wondering. That's so good. You just have him yeah. in your car for safekeeping. Yeah. I was super bummed out, uh, as a thirteen year old because I was um about ten years younger than he is, and I thought, Oh man, I'm way too young. But of course, now I realize that I was way too old mm-hmm. <laughs> because I had been born in 1996. But I thought, you know, like if he just met me and we talked, we, he would probably be in love with me, right? I mean, I, I think you're great, so I don't see why not. Thank you. I mean, I think like. Thank you. You've definitely got a chance. Oh, no, not now. Oh, yeah. No, not not now because of Kate. Nor would yeah. we want well, you to have a chance. No. And also, um. <laughs> Just that very thought of it is hilarious. I don't feel that way towards him anymore. It's someone said to me the other day because we were talking about celebrity crushes, and they said something about Ryan Gosling, and I was like, "I'll fight you for him." And she looked at me weird, and she was like, "But you've got Leo," and I was like, "Oh no, that's not a celebrity crush. Like it's like a deep caring. It's a deep caring. It's my celebrity best friend who I care very deeply about and appreciate and admire and want the best for. But it's not my crush. He's beautiful, but like." I don't know. Um, anyway, so, um, 
yeah, I was in love with it. I saw it so many times and I thought it was the greatest. I loved the costumes and the sets. I was just completely enamored. I had the soundtrack that I listened to all the time because it spoke to my soul as a 12 year old. (laughs) And I, I was, I was way into it. So, um, so Meredith, uh, I know what's coming when I say this. Had you seen Romeo and Juliet? I had seen Romeo and Juliet, but I think I'd only seen it once or twice. Um, Blasphemy. Do you you know why that is? I know. I'm just it's because, well, A, focusing. okay, how old was I in 1996? I was eight. 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 Yeah. I can't do math. We all know how bad I am today. And so I was eight years old, and our ridiculous parental units forbade me from seeing this movie until I was 13. <laughs> Because they thought that I would get the wrong idea about love. And mom also said that it wasn't so much the content that bothered her, that she didn't think this was the way that Shakespeare should be done. It was, and I, and I quote, it was warped and twisted. Yeah, our mom does not like this movie. No, she <laughs> does not like any modernizations of Shakespeare. She, If you are outside mm-hmm. of the Renaissance era... She is not having it. I think she once took me to see a play version of Romeo and Juliet that took place in, like, the Victorian era, and she was like, I don't understand. (laughs) Uh, And she was like, they say sword, but then they use guns. And I was like, Mom, they write the sword name on the gun. It's not that hard. That's part of the the cool thing, is that they, like, they don't just have guns. They make the guns, they name them after swords. Yeah. So I actually don't remember when the first time I really saw this movie was. It probably, honestly, I probably didn't really see the whole thing through until college when I was writing a lot of papers on, I, gentle listeners, I majored in dramatic literature with an emphasis in adaptations. So um, I spent a lot of time studying Shakespearean adaptations and I definitely did a paper on Romeo and Juliet and um, this one specifically, but uh, yeah, so I probably didn't see the whole thing through until I was in college, but my very, very first memory of of this movie, and probably my very first Leo memory, um, other than like general awareness, of, but like Growing Pains, he was just like another character to me. I didn't really pay any attention, and yeah, yeah, so it was going to pick, going with mom to pick you up from seeing the movie, and I think it was like right after... It was right before Christmas, and it was, like, it was um right when the downtown movie theater had first opened and was, like, brand spanking new and state-of-the-art, and you'd mm-hmm. gone to see it there, and you came out, and you were wearing your very classic 90s outfit of your Gap overalls with yeah. the powder blue um long underwear shirt underneath. <laughs> yeah, mom's long underwear shirt, which, powder blue. Which, like... I, w- I wore that... At least once. I want to wear that tomorrow. It's the best outfit ever. But anyway, I I remember asking you. It was really amazing. It would still fly. And I I remember asking you if you liked the movie. And you said, I just love Leonardo DiCaprio. He's so adorable. I want to put him in my pocket and uh, roll him up into a ball, put him in my pocket and take him home. I agree with myself. Yes, I do want to do that. I want to pocket Leo. (laughs) (laughs) But since I was eight years old, like, I really thought about that. And I was like, how tiny would he be? Would he be, like, inanimate? Or would he be, like, an actual person who, like, popped out of your pocket and was like, hey, I gotta go take a pee? 
here, I can tell you what I meant. Okay. He would be an actual person. He'd probably be about three inches high, and you could just, like, take him and then, like, roll him into a ball and put him in your pocket, and then when you pull him out, he pops back into form. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. So he's yeah. like a roly-poly Leo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Or for those of those of you listeners who are not from the southwest region of America, pill bugs. Oh, I also have to. Okay, so I was talking to my friend Lisa, who I saw this movie with seven times in the theater, so more elsewhere. And we were really obsessed. And we, <laughs> she said that we should include this um little anecdote for the people. She and I were so obsessed with him, and we had this like fantasy that he would make us white chocolate instant pudding and feed it to us oh my god i remember that (laughs) you like talked about that on the regular and i was like why would it Mm -hmm. be white chocolate couldn't it just be chocolate (laughs) or butterscotch no because no i thought that we thought that white chocolate pudding was definitely the sexiest dessert (laughs) oh my god instant white chocolate pudding and we ate so much of it because we would just talk about that while we ate it. Be like, and then he put it on his finger and feed it to us. Which, ew, ew gross. I know. Disgusting. <laughs> I, well, it doesn't matter if he smokes. That's gross. But I didn't know at the time that that's really gross and inappropriate for all human beings. So, yeah, we were very into the white chocolate pudding. We just recently, rem- that was a recovered memory from the last time I saw her. So, we, yeah, we're including it. Um, can I tell you it was a, it was a very deep love very deep can I tell you my other memory of this movie which is sisterly yeah. in nature sure so um, as I mentioned our insane parents denied my right to see this movie mm-hmm. <laughs> um, for years and I remember one time you had rented it from the blockbuster and mm-hmm. you were babysitting me or something mom and dad were gone somewhere and um, you were like do you want to watch Romeo and Juliet and as as you know, but the listeners do not, I um, am a people pleaser and I don't like to make my parents unhappy and I like to live up to everyone's highest expectations of me. So I was like, no, I can't do that. It's wrong. Mom wants me to be honest. And you were like, mm, how about I just show you the love scenes, the scenes with Leo? <laughs> and, and, and so you did. And I remember you showed me the balcony slash pool scene and you showed me their wedding scene and, um, they're, the party. they're they're a consummation scene and Naturally. um uh and you showed me their their death scene and everything like that and um yeah. so and, i showed you basically the whole movie yeah and i felt <laughs> so guilty about it i felt so Aww. guilty for a really long time and now that i'm a grown-up i'm like how stupid like just push some boundaries you young child i was trying to get you to do it and you wouldn't listen to me i know i know um yeah so that that is uh that, that those are my memories of, of romeo and juliet in in the 90s i also loved the soundtrack though still do to this day so you've only seen it twice i think i've only two or three times yeah you're behind girl i know i know but now we own it so yes we do so I have some, before we get into talking about, like... Wait, can I talk about, like, my thoughts on it now? Well, I was going to do the... I want to give you some trivia. Oh, okay. And then we can go into that. Okay. I've got some facts that... I've got some trivia facts in case anybody ever asks you, you know, how long the movie is. (laughs) Are they facts or trivia facts? Or trivia? They're trivia... They're trivia facts. They're facts for trivia. I don't think that's, like, a thing. (laughs) Well, it is I think they're either facts or trivia. (laughs) 
No. Welcome to the trivia facts section of the podcast. Okay, so, are you ready for these? Yes. The movie is exactly two hours long because of the line in the prologue that says, is now the two hours traffic of our stage. They took that very literally, and they made it exactly two hours. Good on them. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. And just in case someone, some jerk was like, they said two hours, and it's been two hours and five minutes. <laughs> I want my money back. Um, the Jesus statue, you know, the one that's in the center of Verona Beach, mm-hmm. the very, very tall, probably, I don't know how tall that is, but like a football field tall Jesus statue. Otherwise known as 100 yards. I don't know why you always have to make me feel stupid. <laughs> We've discussed this. I don't want you getting too big of a head. You're too amazing. I have to bring you back down a little bit. Okay. The Jesus statue at the center of Verona Beach was actually only two feet high, which makes me think of the little children of Stonehenge. <laughs> Stonehenge is in danger of being trampled on by a dwarf. <laughs> Tiny little, it's just very little. It wasn't. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. That is really funny. I assumed that time. it was like full life size and like real somewhere. Uh, yeah, I did too. I thought they built it, but no, it was just a tiny two foot one. Or honestly, I where it is I'm now. not going to lie to you. Until I watched it this time, mm. I just thought they filmed in Brazil. <laughs> yeah, but that's not the Brazil statue. I know, but I was dumb and I didn't know that. And then I saw it this time and I was like, this is not Brazil and that's not real. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Two feet high. Um, Two uh, actors auditioned, other actors that we know of auditioned to play Mercutio and they are Ewan McGregor Mm -hmm. and Christian Bale. No way. Wait, I did have a piece of Leo news that I'm going to stick in right now. Okay. Speaking of Ewan McGregor. So apparently Leo really wanted to be in the movie Moulin Rouge. Okay. And he um, auditioned for Baz Luhrmann, and he sang Lean on Me, but Baz Luhrmann uh, turned to him and said, I don't think we need to continue this conversation. Oh, no, Leo! <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, did he, like, go get singing lessons, and he was turned down? And also, what an odd song choice. I mean, it's basically, like, the easiest song ever to sing, though. <laughs> Yeah, the thing I read said that he couldn't hit the high note, but there is no high note, so... Yeah, there's definitely no <laughs> no high note. So, I think Ewan McGregor was definitely the better choice for that. Yeah, I don't think Leo could have boomed with, My gift is my soul. No, I don't think he could have either. Which, like, I remember the first time I saw that, and I was, it chills through my body. I know. Mm. Anyway, so Ewan McGregor and Christian Bale auditioned to play Mercutio. Wow. I think Christian Bale, Christian Bale would have been awesome. Christian Bale would have been really good. But they decided to make the character black, so the role went to Harold Pernoy. Pernoy. Of Harold. Lost Fam. A Lost yes. Fame. Oh my god, what is wrong with me? And he did an amazing job. So now every time I see him, I think, Mercutio! Yeah, I love that guy. Okay. All, okay, so we were both extremely jealous of Claire Dane's hair in this movie. Yes. Particularly... The angel halo. The angel twist halo thing that she has at the party. We wanted that so bad. I believe you tried to make it happen on like, your head. Like, a lot in the bathroom for hours, and Mom would be like, do you need help in there? And I was like, no! <laughs> <laughs> then she started knocking violently and burst in on you naked. <laughs> 
I mean, I probably was naked, to be fair. Just in there naked doing my hair. All right. Well, we could have had that hair because the her hair in this movie was a wig. Shut up. Mm-hmm. No. Yep. All a wig. I could have had, like, I'm just, like, seeing the life I could have had if I had known mm-hmm. <laughs> that it wasn't that my hair was deficient. No. Your hair was not deficient. So was hers. <laughs> it's fake hair. Or it's probably real hair, but, you know. But, like, from, like, fake a hair. prostitute. Sex worker. Oh, yeah. So, some of the actresses who were considered to play Juliet were, get ready for this. Okay. Sarah Michelle Geller. Buffy? Yeah. Oh no. Yeah, Buffy can't that would do not, that. That wouldn't have, that wouldn't have been a good choice. No. Jennifer Love Hewitt. Ugh. She would have done that thing where she squints her eyes a lot. Well, and you the know, boobs are too big. Oh. Like, I'm not saying, like, that's like the one time in life that it's a problem is when you need to be playing a 13 year old. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, Aaliyah. Like, the first you don't deceive. Aaliyah? Yeah, but I don't think I don't think she would have been a good choice either. I don't think so. And she was also, she probably also just really wanted to be home with her husband. R. Kelly! Yeah. I love R. She, Kelly. She needed Trapped to help him closet. work on the early, um, early versions of Trapped in the Closet. <laughs> you know, I would love to do it. Let's do a podcast about Trapped in the Closet. I don't know One if I'm skilled enough to talk about at that. The time. I could definitely I talk about I... uh, Ignition, but... It's the remix to Ignition, hot and fresh out the kitchen. Yeah, Wait, this also would have been that's... like a like not to go on off on a professional crazy person R. Kelly rant, but this would have been around the time that I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. I think about it every night and day. Spread my wings right. and fly all right. All away. Right. Sorry, end you it, can't you it, can't just end, end it. it after one line, you have to feel it all the way through. <laughs> yeah, that song is that song gives me the feels. On with the list of actresses considered to play Juliet. Mm-hmm. Um Christina Ritchie. No. 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 And Kate Winslet. <gasps> Why? Why not? She was too old looking. How old was she? I don't know how old she was, but she didn't look thirteen. This was the year before Titanic. Oh, so she was like 17. Yeah, she didn't look. She was 16 or 17. So another actress is actually cast in the role before uh, Claire Danes got it, and that was Natalie Portman. (gasps) Ew! She was flown down to test some scenes with Leo, but she was too short and it made Leo look like a molester. But that's probably because Natalie actually was only 13 at the time, and Leo was 21. Ew, gross. I know. That makes me, like, that gives me the... Ew. No. Ew. It's not even okay, even if it's in a movie. It's, like, I know. a problem. And then, also, Natalie Portman, I can, like, hear her, like, clenched jaw voice saying all those lines. Mm-hmm. You know how she, like, only talks like this? Yeah. It's like, Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? Deny thy father, and refuse thy name. Or if thou wilt not, be but sworn, my love, and I'll no longer be a Capulet. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad it wasn't her. Oh, she's so boring, it makes me feel ill. She is boring. So boring. Um, That's she why she that played boring... Jackie Kennedy so well. <laughs> yeah, she has that, like, boring quality that very few people have. Yeah, where you're but like, when... you do interesting things, and yet I am bored to tears. 
Yeah, exactly. Like, you're not a bad person. It's just like, please, I'm about to fall asleep. You're just like your flavorless shortbread. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Leo was the first choice for Romeo. Oh, of course. I mean, who else? Um, they considered Neil Patrick Harris. Doogie Howser? Yeah, I don't see that. And it's not that, not, um, because he doesn't play straight very well. No, he does really well. Yeah, he does. It's just, I just don't see him, um, being able to have that much angst and brooding. He's too delightful. He just also, like, I don't know, Doogie Howser has, like, this Disney thing to him. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, he always looks a little bit like a Disney star. That doesn't mean that he's not great. It just means that, like, no matter what, there's, like, some sort of, like, grit lacking. Mm-hmm. And this is, like, a very yeah. gritty movie. Yeah. He he was not the one. Um, And also, you're going to love this. Marlon Brando wanted to pr- play Friar Lawrence, but he, had fi- but he had family conflicts and could not. Oh, was this, like, around the time that his son went to prison for murder? Um, I don't know. 1996? 1995? My Google machine? Yeah. No. Oh. Well, he was sentenced in 1991, so I don't know. Maybe he was still struggling with it. Sorry, I'm not laughing. <laughs> <laughs> That's really rude. I mean, of course he was still struggling with it. It was a tragic tragic thing that happened, but... Uh, I'm sorry. I cannot play Friar Lawrence. I am too... My son was put in prison five years ago. Yeah, I can't do it. Um, okay, so more facts. These are really good ones. The hurricane during Mercutio's death scene mm-hmm. was an actual hurricane that just destroyed the set of the Sycamore Grove Beach, but they didn't stop filming. Are you kidding me? That was real? Yeah. No way. Yeah, they just didn't stop filming. That's a real uh, hurricane that came. Totally destroyed all the set. All that beach set. That is amazing. I was actually wondering, like, how did they do that? Because it's so, like, ominous and foreboding about, like, all of the hell that's about to break loose. Well, God saw that Leo was making a movie, and he was like, I'm going to help you out. Here's a hurricane. Mm-hmm. That seems reasonable. Yeah. I like that. Idea. Yeah. Yeah. He was there. He was present. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously his top priority that day. Nothing else was happening on Earth. Nothing else. Nothing else. It was I- the 90s. It was a simpler time. <laughs> Who are you to say that God cannot be in more than one place? He can bring a hurricane to a Shakespeare scene and also do whatever it else he does. <laughs> um, all, okay. My response anyway. to that is, you don't know who I am and what powers I have. <laughs> okay, um, at the Capulet party, you notice it's a costume party, which I'm like, is it Halloween? What's going on here? Are they just really fun people? Yeah. Awesome. Like, there's no reason for him to be throwing that party. He's just like, I would like to throw a baller-ass party. Oh, my God. That's my dream, because I love costume parties. I love costume parties almost more than anything else in the world. Not more than my dogs or my family, but it's probably third. So at this Capulet costume party, all the characters are dressed to reflect their inner personalities. So Romeo's a knight. Juliet's an angel. Um... <laughs> um uh Capulet is an emperor, Tybalt is a devil, and and Dave Paris is an astronaut. Yes, yes, Dave Paris played by one um oh my god, I just totally blanked on his name. Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd, of course. Who BTW looks exactly the same. 
Paul Rudd has found the fountain of youth, and he's hiding it all from all of us. He's a vampire. Probably. Can't you see it? He probably Have you ever seen him in daylight? He, he probably <laughs> hangs out with David Boring Annis. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't think he does. He's better than that. Anyway, uh, Paris is dressed as an astronaut. Because he's like, you know, the hero. Like, Is he? You know? So. Is he? Because he no, seems no, no, like he's, he's not, just he's, like. He's out in outer space. He has no clue what's going on. Well, he's pretty spacey. Yeah. But he's also the hero. Like, they think everybody thinks he's such a great guy. He's Bachelor of the Year. That's true. Bachelor I mean, I of the Year, like, Dave Paris. Like, astronaut is one of the top five hottest occupations. What are the other five? Uh, firefighter. Firefighter. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Doctors Without Borders, Doctor. Mm, yes. How many is that? Three? Yeah. I I I kind of think veterinarian. No, because they have to put animals to sleep, and it's really hard. But maybe they go in the back and cry and show emotions and feelings afterwards. D- no, <laughs> no, okay. not not veterinarians. No. Okay. Um, lumberjack. Oh, lumberjack. And oh god, I need another one. Um, I feel like we're missing something super obvious. Okay, so we have astronaut, lumberjack. Doctors mm-hmm. Without Borders doctor, specifically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had four, right? Canadian Prime Minister. Oh my god, yes! <laughs> oh, Canadian Prime Minister. <laughs> oh, Justin Trudeau. Oh, I saw some pictures of him when he was young today, and my little heart was a flutter. <laughs> I mean, not that he's old now, okay. but anyway, keep going. I can't get distracted. Yeah. Okay, anyway. Anyway. Oh, by the way, if you were at the Capulet party, what would you be dressed as? Mm. Oh, what would I be dressed as? I, actually, I'm going to dress you and you're going to dress me. I would dress you as a female Indiana Jones. <gasps> you just made my life. Oh my god, that's <laughs> totally correct. Fear of snakes and all. Mm-hmm. And, like, deep desire to kill Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Oh my god, I totally am a female Indiana Jones. Um, mm-hmm. what would I dress you as? I think I would dress you as the green fairy. I knew you were going to dress me as a fairy. I think it's going to be the green fairy, though, because the green fairy is, like, really fun, but there's also mm-hmm. a dark side. Yeah! Yay! <laughs> I agree. And I, I didn't agree. mean that in an insulting way, so don't, don't feel, take it personal. Um, I clearly was very excited about my dark side, so... <laughs> Okay, cool. Let's go to that I, party. Wait, I really like that I'm a dude. Yeah. Even though I'm a female version of a dude, but, like, I like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Leo and Claire didn't really get along that well while filming this because she thought he was too silly and immature, and he thought she was uptight, which makes sense. Yeah, I'm going to take Leo's side. I think Claire Dane seems like she is uptight. I bet she was taking the whole Shakespeare thing, like, super serious, you know? Yeah. And, like... And he was just being himself. And she's like, that dude is immature. Although this is the third time that we've heard a lady say that he's super immature. And two of them were his other girlfriends who broke up with him because he was too immature. So, yeah, there there might be some credence to that. Maybe he's a bit immature, but I think he might be just silly, which I love a silly person. I hate, I don't hate serious people, but I really don't care to be around them. Anyway, Leo, though, he actually fought for her to get the part because she was the only actress who auditioned who looked him in the eye. I bet he really values people that look him in the eye. Wait, hold up. Buffy didn't look him in the eye? No, Buffy. No. That's okay. I would have been 
Ten Shades of Jealous had she been in this movie and gotten Spike. No, 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 no. Buffy hadn't happened yet. They filmed the first season of Buffy in 1996. She got Buffy instead of this. Well, good. So, good for her. You know what? Everything happens for a reason. <laughs> That's right. We should all trust the pattern of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the least me thing I've ever said in my whole life. Pete Postlewaite, who's Briar Lawrence, is the only actor who speaks in iambic pentameter the whole time. Like emphasizing it. Mm-hmm. Neat. Which I wish they I wish they would have done it a little bit more. Like I liked that they didn't do it all the time because it made it sound really conversational and real, but I wish they would have done it a little more. Like, for instance, as you always point out, banished should have been banished. Yes. Romeo is banished. Yeah, that's what it is. You don't say banished, it's not banished. Like, cause the whole thing with iambic pentameter is de-dum, 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 de-dum. And so you mm-hmm. can't go, Romeo is banished. Like, that doesn't work. Romeo <laughs> is banished. There you go. He yeah. Finished it. There you go. <laughs> um, and last uh, fact here, all the billboards and posters throughout the movie contain Shakespeare quotes from other plays. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, Wait, if you look around in the background. Oh my god. So now I'm just imagining that in Baz Luhrmann's head, or Boz, I like to call him Baz. Baz Luhrmann's, Baz Luhrmann's head, it's like there's an entire world that's just Shakespeare, and each town has mm-hmm. a different Shakespearean story going on. Interesting. Well, this version of Verona is dirty. Mm. <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> dingy. Or as the Brits say, dodgy. But it really goes well with this version of the story because in the original play they never say what the Montagues and Cap or Shakespeare not they Shakespeare never says why the Montagues and Capulets hate each other you don't have any history of the uh, feud just that it's been going on and that they've already disturbed the streets thrice but um, in this movie they pretty much imply that it's um, like a business feud wait hold on so They've thrice disturbed these streets. Mm-hmm. Is that in recent history or just overall? Because that's like a pretty good run for a really serious feud. I I always took it to mean that this group of people, like like this, Tybalt and Mercutio, um, and yeah, like this set, this generation of these of these families has thrice distur- disturbed the quiet of our streets. Okay. Okay. It could not mean that, but I've always thought that. I because I just thought like, um, yeah, like I just thought that. It, that they, I thought they fought all the time. So three times I was like, I thought they fought every day. Maybe but. it was just like the, like this month. I gotta look at that line. I don't know. William Shakespeare, yeah. if you're listening, could you please shoot us an email? Let us know. Clear this up for us. Or tweet us. Or tweet us. Cool. Instagram, if it's your, your social needs of choice. Text me, Bill. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So let's get into uh, your thoughts. So what are your thoughts on this movie? You are, I'm gonna go to you for like the, the meat of this because you are the expert with your degree. I basically am just like, I love the costumes and I love Leo. And I'm just going to talk about the fish tank scene for like 20 years. Um, but you have like actual insights <laughs> <laughs> into, into the, into the, uh, source material. I mean, so it's like, it's been, a, it's been a more, a handful of years since I've had to like critically think about a play. Um, but well, that's fun for you. Oh, um, so let's let me start with this. So you've seen also the uh, Zeffirelli version yes. and several stage versions. 
Mm-hmm. What is your favorite version of Roman and Juliet? Hands down, this one. Why? Tell us more. Which I didn't think would be the case. Okay. So I have this theory about that Romeo and Juliet is not actually a tragedy. I think it is actually a comedy. There are many scholars who agree with me. It starts out with all of the hallmark like indicators of a comedy. There's a party, there's disguises, there's a sudden romance, you know, all of that kind of stuff. There's gentlemen making jokes about their penises. Um, just all of the hallmarks of a good comedy. Hilarious. <laughs> Penis jokes. And then it shifts a little bit. All it very suddenly actually with Mercutio's death, it shifts. And so most Almost every single adaptation or version of this play for the last however many hundreds of years has taken that shift seriously. And I'm like, well, why? Why did you take it seriously when the play up until now has told you that it's a comedy? Is it just because people are dying? Like, you think it can't be funny? But people die and it can, it could be, I mean, like, the deaths don't have to be funny. But I, I think that it's really, uh, it's, it's a comedy about the folly of young passion. Of, like, youthful passions. Because think about it. Every single thing that causes all of these problems, it stems from young people not being able to, like, having too much passion Mm -hmm. for something stupid. So, like, Romeo and Juliet, they, they, like, see each other once. And basically, they, like, they just have that experience that, like, everybody has, like, 50 times a day of seeing hot people. Well, yeah. And, like, I had it 12 years old when I saw Leo. (laughs) Exactly. It's like they had a very human experience and they're so self-centered that they took it to mean something when it really doesn't. And all of these other characters do the same thing. Tybalt is so like he's filled with like this youthful passion for like anger, like youthful male rage, and he can't let it go. And he's like way too proud. And if you think about it also like these these uh, this feud has been going on for a really long time. Right. So it's the two fathers were young when this feud began. And they, they held on to these youthful passions and they became so destructive. Maybe even their fathers. Like, you don't know how far it goes back, but, it, you know, and it gets perpetuated for generations. Yeah, yeah. and But it's all, like, these things, like, passions that are instilled in you when you're young or that you experience when you're young are the destruction of this entire town. Mm-hmm. And so I don't necessarily think that it's, like, like a slapstick comedy or like clown. I mean, clowns are terrifying, but like, you know, it's not like a, it's not like a Midsummer Night's Dream where it's like, oh, mistaken identities. Ha 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 ha. But <laughs> if you, if you look at it right, if you just shift the way that you look at it, it really can be. Like, how hilarious that, the, like, it's, it's so, it's laughably stupid that Friar Lawrence is like, oh, my letter did not get to him. I shall write another. No. Oh. That pisses me off so much. <laughs> yeah, it's a comedy of errors that ends in two people very needlessly killing themselves. And, like, you're supposed to look at them and be like, this is so stupid. This was a solvable problem in, like, 15 different ways. You guys went about it in the worst way ever because you're too young to think clearly when these well, things, and you, when these passions and take over. They both sought counsel from two people who uh, have have never been in a relationship before. A friar and the nurse. Yeah. So it's two people who also, like, didn't really understand what marriage actually was. And, and like, it, it doesn't, you know, like, marriage today is almost unrecognized. Like, it, or old marriage was more of, like, a, like, property trading and, like, a, a financial union. 
And it really was that way until probably, like, the 1970s. Like, not that people didn't marry for love, but, like, as an institution. You know, like, women couldn't have credit cards until the 70s. So, like, right. you you needed a man. And, you know, then you didn't. So, like, marriage today is, like, a whole different thing. But, like, back then it was, like, you didn't marry for love. You married to make a good match. And it was stupid to think otherwise. Right. Which Paris was supposedly the good match for her. Yeah. And probably probably would have been a better one. Yeah, because Romeo is in love with somebody else when the play starts. Romeo is an actual boob. Seriously, why was why was he not dressed as a boob at the Capulets' party if he was dressed as his inner self? If Romeo were today, he would be an F-boy. Yes. Um, but I think that this movie, while it doesn't, like, fully embrace my belief of, like, the the comedy throughout, it highlights the feud more than any other adaptation that I've seen. Every other version of this play that I've seen highlights the romance and how these mm-hmm. two people are so in love that they don't even care. Like she doesn't even care when he kills her cousin. It's like, that's ridiculous. You should be freaking pissed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but, but like this, this, this version like focuses on how violent and insane and like, um, like hot-headed this feud is and I really like that I think that was really cool and I also like I liked that the way that they had like when the young dudes are all hanging out together which mostly you see the Montague boys hanging out together the boys um, the boys yeah but they they like <laughs> almost they, they pull like a dangerous mind and they almost talk in like they use like Shakespeare to sound like rap mm-hmm. or like like slang which, like, Shakespeare wrote in slang of the time. Like, it's not lofty language at all. He's just using iambic pentameter sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. But he also writes in prose. It depends on the station of who he's writing about. Most of these characters were, like, of higher station, so he, they usually get, you know, their their lines are written in verse. But, like, it, it reminded me, like, when I when I watch, like, the Zeffirelli version, it's like, you can't take it seriously when they're like, do you bite your thumb at me, sir? Oh, no, but I do bite my thumb. It's like, like, like move on, go home. But in this, you're like, oh my god, like this escalated quickly, and you can see that happening because it they seem like real young men on the streets with guns and nothing to do. Like literally, mm-hmm. Mercutio has nothing better to do at one point than stand in the ocean and shoot at it. <laughs> he does for, for, for like a very five times <laughs> <laughs> while there's a hurricane approaching. Yeah, none of them seem to have jobs or anything to do but go around and fight. And they all seem like whenever one of them dies, they seem like remorseful and bump like you know what I mean? Like like the um I'm thinking specifically of that one guy, Benvolio. Mhm. He seems like he's not as into it, but he just goes with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, they they get like mob mentality as young men do. Yeah, and then that that guy with the pink hair is like, <laughs> he's like all about it. And so they all kind of go with it. And then I think Mercutio is obviously eggs everybody on. And I mean, he takes them to the Capulets party. Well, but I think Mercutio doesn't think that the feud is as serious. But Tybalt is mm. like his breakfast, lunch and dinner is this feud. It's what gives his life purpose and how he like tries to prove his worth to his uncle who like obviously thinks he's trash. Tybalt, you're so gross. Yeah, Tybalt sucks. But brilliantly played by John Leguizamo. 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 There we go. 
Um, Who actually also auditioned to play Mercutio. He would have been good at that, but he's a better Tybalt. He's a great Tybalt because he's, really he's, 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 he's like, he's smarmy, but kind of like scary. He's smarmy and scary and angry and uh, and he's dressed kind of like the Jesus from, um, <laughs> he reminds me of the, he reminds me of the Jesus from the Big Lebowski. <laughs> oh, he totally does. I'll live like a tiny version. A tiny version, Oh my god, version, he's the yes. two foot tall Jesus. <laughs> oh! <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, he does a really, really good job of like, I, well, oh, let me, let me say something else. I don't know what I was going to say about John Leguizamo, but, um, yeah, like, I actually thought of, God, I forget who the quote was by, and I don't want to look it up right now because that's hard. But um, there's a really good quote about why war happens, like why do wars start? Mm -hmm. And it's this one guy basically asserts, some philosopher, that wars happen because young men are on the streets with guns and they don't have anything else to do. There you go. That's these people. Yeah. And and this guy actually like wrote an entire paper about the decrease in street violence due to violent video games. Hmm. Like totally off topic, but that's where I got that quote. Um, Interesting. Or that paraphrase. I don't remember the actual quote. But like that's what this is. It's like these guys just literally have nothing better to do than shoot at the ocean. Mm-hmm. Which like and each other. like Mercutio. <laughs> the ocean is going to win. Yeah. Read some like is it Lord Byron who has that that poem about the ocean? I don't Probably know. Probably not. <laughs> Mercutio. Anyway, I'm like super off topic. Rain me in. Rain me in. Okay, so what, um, what's your favorite scene in this you know, movie? You know what my favorite scene is? The same as every other person who's ever seen this movie. Fish tank. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the You know what? These days, I think that um, the youth the friggin' youths of the world are using the word iconic way too much. Like, everything is iconic. But I'm sorry, the fish tank scene is iconic. I know, but we live in the age of hyperbole, so they don't they don't know any other way. I speak in hyperbole, but, like, I'm like, come on, use that correctly. You're going to take away the meaning, because I know I'm going to tell you that the fish tank scene is iconic. But it really is. <laughs> but that's the same as mom's argument of, like, were there 10,000 people there or were there 50 people there? <laughs> anyway. So, yes, I love, oh, that's my favorite scene as well. Um, but I don't, I, so he's on drugs at the party, yeah, right? He's yeah. just taken what we determined to be ecstasy. Mm-hmm. And I personally think he's hallucinating. You don't think so? No, I think the party was just a really amazing party. Okay. The Capulets are a really fun gang to hang out with. They have, um, musical numbers at their parties they have um a time when they have a lady singer come out and everyone is silent and stands around and watches her emotionally sing i'm <laughs> kissing you oh. excuse me i'm they sorry have, that just happened <laughs> they have like confetti that just like comes out of nowhere they invite Dave Paris, and he does some amazing dance moves. Yes. He does one where he, like, takes his hand, and I, what would you call that? Do you know which one I'm talking about, where he kind of, like, it's jazz hands, kind of? I don't, I don't <laughs> even know, but all of his dance moves are top-notch. He deserves an award. Yes. Um, but also, they have fireworks. They have fire. Next time you watch this movie, general listeners, pay special attention to 
Paris's dance moves at the party. Don't pay attention to the very good looking, like the best he's ever looked, Leonardo DiCaprio. Pay attention to Paris's dance moves. Then rewind and go back and pay attention the other way. But definitely look at the dance moves. Um, so yes, they have fireworks and they have this bathroom where there's a fish tank in the wall. Which is an amazing idea. On one side is the man, the men's room, not the part with the toilets. And the other side is the ladies' room. I like that their their house has like a banquet hall style bathroom situation, like with stalls. Totally. Yeah. And urinals mm-hmm. where there's a pirate just like peeing. He's taking like a seriously <laughs> long pee because he never walks out of that bathroom. I know. He never comes out. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> um, but. I have a actually a fact about this scene because you know how one of the best things about the scene is the lighting mm-hmm. that it's got that like kind of blue like water like they're kind of it's almost like they're underwater it's very ethereal yes so apparently um they tried to light it a different way but the um they kept getting reflections of the actors faces no matter what they did they couldn't get rid of the reflections and so what the lighting guy did is he took out all the lights and he put in, um, oh, You just call a neon. director of photography a lighting guy. Yeah, I called him the lighting guy. Oh, isn't there a guy that just does lights? The director of photography is in charge of all of that. Okay, the director of photography. I just say that because that's Blake's job. Well, I don't, I'm sorry. I apologize, Blake. Uh, I'm going to call you the lighting guy from now on. Anyway, he, um took out the lights and he put in neon lights and that's the only lighting in that scene that's pretty baller the neon lights are the neon lights are in the fish tank on the side so it's coming from the side and it's like blue neon lights that is super baller that's why it looks so cool also it is um one of my favorite dicaprio faces is when he raises his eyebrows Mm. i don't i don't know what it is about that but every single time I just get all Twitter painted and I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Every time he raises his damn eyebrows. <laughs> it's so beautiful. It's like, yes. it is, it is so hard for me to determine whether peak Leo is Leo in the fish tank scene mm-hmm. or Leo in Titanic. Well, I mean, it's all the same. It's basically the same. It's basically two year span of time. It's basically the same Leo because it was filmed almost back to back. So. Yeah, this is peak Leo. He's very, very. I mean, he doesn't have a he doesn't have a peak, but this is prime Leo. Yeah, prime Leo is a better way to say it. Peak implies that he yeah, went he did. back down, but like, he, but he didn't he never like did. city bike Leo and dad bod Leo are equally amazing. City bike Leo. <laughs> <laughs> I love city bike Leo. Who doesn't? He's great. <laughs> Yeah, so that is also my favorite scene. Yes. At the whole party, actually. I just want to go to that party. Although it seems like kind of a headache the next day. From the ecstasy or just like to clean up? To clean up. Oh. But I, I don't know. Does ecstasy give people headaches? Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, I don't know it from personal experience, as we've discussed mm-hmm. on this show. But, like, mm-hmm. no, it gives you, like, a killer headache and sometimes makes you feel really sad the next day. Oh, that sounds horrible. Um, I don't like feeling sad, so. No, I don't like feeling sad either. Um, do you, are you bothered by the fact that the balcony scene takes place in a pool? Hmm, not really. And I don't really know why. I mean, it starts and ends with balcony. I, I think it like, again, that scene is so 
funny. And no one else has ever played that scene as funny. Everybody else <laughs> plays it as super romantic. But it is so, so creepy that he's outside her room. Like being like, what light the yonder window breaks? And Leo is so funny in it. And then the best part is when Claire Day or Juliet's like walking and I forget what she's saying. Uh-huh. And he like, then he says something to her and she has no idea that he's right behind her. <laughs> oh, uh, she says, um, uh, it's like when she's saying like, it'll be some other name. And then he says like, I take the F thy word. And then she goes, ah! <laughs> they, they fall into the pool. <laughs> like nobody else has ever thought to make Juliet be freaked out at first. Yeah. Do you know what be. I mean? Everybody else is just like, Romeo. What are you doing in my bedroom, essentially, at night? <laughs> like, no, that is not the response that any lady's going to have to a dude coming out of the darkness while she's in her underwear having her most private thoughts. <laughs> um, I like when he's, when she first gets out of the elevator and he's, like, uh, back against the wall, like, hanging onto the, the plants or the, what do you call it, like, a tre- not trellis. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, a trellis. He's hanging on, yeah, a trellis, and he, he's like, Oh, she's my lady. It's my love. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so funny. And it captures, like, because, like, those teenage feelings are not, like, sweeping and grand in the sense that, like, you're going to be like, oh, it is my lady. It is my love. It's more like, oh, crap, I can't say anything because they're here and I'm going <laughs> to trip my friend so that I look cooler than they do, which I've actually done. Oh, that's rude. Sorry, Sophie. um yeah then they fall into the pool and i like it because they get to make out and leo looks like a grade a top-notch kisser it also makes more sense as to how they hid him and that part is really funny too like he like can't breathe yeah (laughs) (laughs) and and when he like first shows up he has no idea where he is he's just climbed the garden walls and then the lights come on on him like it's hilarious (laughs) it's so funny and it's just oh it's so good it's so good um, I like when he's um he says, uh, and therefore thy kinsmen are no stop to me. And then she like t- tackles him and pushes him into the water. Like it, it, like they're really. Um, every other time I've seen it, they're not really making a, an effort to be quiet. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> like they don't seem to be concerned that anybody might find might really find him. They're just saying they're concerned, but you know she's like, hey, shut up. <laughs> yeah, because again, every other version of this play makes the focus the romance and the love and so they're so self-centered that they're they're they wouldn't be concerned but like mm-hmm. the, the emphasis in this one is on the feud and if the feud is very real they're going to be aware of it all the time yeah which is more more realistic <laughs> and quite frankly like heightens the stakes mm-hmm. or raises the stakes yeah. heightens i don't know raises the stakes. raises the stakes yeah oh i um did you notice that a very good friend of ours appeared in spades in this movie like a real friend of ours or like someone like a like a leo friend a leo friend one mr hinkle mccrinkleberry oh (laughs) there were dose hinkle mccrinkleberries there were two there was mr Mr. mccrinkleberry and mrs (laughs) mccrinkleberry and they were trying to make out on his forehead yes they were when he's like when he's just killed if you're wondering what we're talking about and you're like what are these these chicks always talking about this Hinkle McCrinkleberry. Go to the scene where Romeo slews Tybalt. And, Slews? um, that's what they, Romeo slew Tybalt. I know, but it slays. 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 I know, I know. Couldn't you tell by the way I said it that I didn't really mean it that way? Oh my God, yeah. It's <laughs> where, so funny. Where Romeo, 
where Romeo kills Tybalt, and you will see the, like, a, a, you know, just a display, a massive display of Hinkle McCrinkleberry, and a rare appearance by Mrs. McCrinkleberry. And also then you can see it in the end when he's walking down the aisle at the church um, next to the lovely neon crosses. Oh. And it's also there. Oh, I have a, a, something about that scene, too. Yeah. So apparently, um, you know, she's supposed to be dead um, because she took some magical herb that doesn't exist. And apparently his his uh, reading of that scene was so good that she kept crying. And, and she couldn't. They couldn't finish the scene. They had to do it a bunch of times because she kept crying. Oh my god! Wait though, but Claire Danes has like the literal worst cry on the planet. She does. <laughs> so I'm just seeing Leo like being really into it and like really emotional, and then her stupid chin starts quivering. <laughs> he looks down and he's like, "God damn it!" <laughs> he's like, "I'm gonna kill you! I fought for you to have this role, and you're ruining it." <laughs> um so i think you should have i think you should have a boslerman wedding we can get neon crosses and i could wear uh, i could finally have my halo angel hair you yep. could just get the same wig we could uh, you could put on the invitation everybody come as your inner person yes please what you are that you doesn't inside? make you a demanding horrible bridezilla at all <laughs> hey it's your day man i will come as the green fairy but then do i have um, to dress as indiana <clears throat> jones no, because I'm not dating a bride. Okay. Can I just have a party so that I can dress as Indiana Jones? Yeah. Like, like maybe this is a better theme for like an engagement party. Okay. A Baz Luhrmann themed engagement party. I just want those neon crosses. We can have them for life. Because I think because they're so amazing. I kind of want one on my wall, and I would leave it on at night while I slept. Um, and I'm going to wear. Also, I'm going to find and wear the <clears throat> Jesus. Uh, the Jesus-covered uh, bulletproof vest to the <gasps> Oh, and you know what I'm going to wear? I'm going to wear the uh, amazing, brightly colored Hawaiian shirt with the sacred heart on it. That, we can wear that like as a bachelorette thing. Oh my god. I'm I'm getting on Amazon right now to see if they have it. A bulletproof vest with Jesus on it? No, a sacred heart Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> um, no. Oh, that's another no. Thing they that, don't. That's, <laughs> that's another thing that I really like about this uh, version of this is because uh, it's the um, religious imagery, like with the violence right next to it. They're always right together, and I like that. I know that's good. Like he goes into a church after he's just taken a dude hostage. <laughs> yeah. Why did they change? Do you know why they changed Friar Lawrence to Father Lawrence? Because maybe they thought people were too stupid to know what a friar is. Is this like how they thought that we were too stupid to know what a sorcerer was, or a philosopher was, so they changed Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone to the Sorcerer's Stone? Maybe. That's insulting. Yeah, there were like a few weird, like, single word changes. Like, instead of saying bride, they said wife. It's weird. And I just was like, why would you do that? I don't understand. It doesn't make a difference. And the ending is different, right? Because in the play... At the end, like everyone's dead. Yeah, Leo or Leo's mom. (laughs) 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 Romeo's mom dies. Like Paris comes and fights Romeo and dies. Yeah, like everybody dies. And true, like that's where the end. That's why it gets classified as a tragedy. Tragedy is because everybody dies in the end. But like everybody dies, and it's so like 
it's just, it's laughable. Well, because it could have all been prevented. Because the fathers are like, hey, if they had just come and told us they were married, like, we would have been fine with it because we wanted to end this feud anyway. Yeah, like, a res- and a responsible grown-up would have been like, hey, you guys, if, like, what we should really do is just send you both to Mantua, like, you guys should run away together, your parents will be distraught that you're gone, then the nurse and Friar Lawrence will go and talk to the parents and say they're in love, they really want to get married and be together, this could be a good way to end this feud. Mm-hmm. And then everything would have been fine, but instead, there's I mean, like poisons. That's sort and... of that's sort of what they did, but they introduced also poisons and trickery, and and they didn't and just they... send Juliet with him when he was banished. And why on earth does the friggin' friar leave her there in the church unattended? She's he knows what time she's supposed to wake up. Why is he not there like an hour to half an hour beforehand so she doesn't have to wake up and be alone? Or like, God forbid something went wrong and she's like completely paralyzed and then they come bury her the next day. Yeah, like he needs to be there. This all could have so easily been prevented. It's completely Friar Lawrence's fault. It is. He sucks. He sucks. He is not cool. No, he is not cool. Not at all. Disappointed in him. I am. I, me too. Yeah. 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 He's supposed to be... Like, you know, a, a figure that Romeo can look up to because he's not talking to his own dad um, and his friends are all douchebags. And this guy totally led him astray and was like, yeah, I've got this great plan. Can't go wrong. And then everything goes wrong. Oh, also, though, I get mad at that friend who sees her in the church dead and does not confirm with anyone anything. Like, I guess everyone thinks she's dead, but the Friar Lawrence sees that um friend in the back of the church Balthazar? yeah um yeah and sees knows that he's romeo's friend sees him see it and get really upset and run off and he's like eh. no what he does is he goes to the fedex and he's like excuse me oh. did my overnight delivery make it and they're like no it's right here and he's like let me write another he's like oh no romeo has no notice of these accidents hmm. i'll write another letter <laughs> so funny it's so funny get in your car go down to the church and wait for him if you if because he's gonna think she's dead or drive to mantua go to mantua and and, no i think he should stay with her i think he should too or the nurse should should stay with her that would have made so much sense to have the well the nurse didn't know that's right so he should have stayed with her stayed with her till she woke up and then they both go out to mantua Uh, what is your why did you it's it's so infuriating however I love this movie. It's very good. It's very good. And <laughs> I love this movie so much. I watched it actually two times before we did this podcast, and then I did it half a time up to the fish tank scene because sometimes I watch Leo movies halfway and then don't watch the end because he dies. It's a good way. To, every that's time. a good way to watch movies. Like I've seen the first half of Titanic fifteen times. I've seen the last part twice. Exactly, and also you can do that with Gatsby. You go up to, like, the very last party, and then you know it's going downhill, and you're like, click. <laughs> <laughs> because I hate to see him die. It's really awful. It's really awful. And this one, like, they also made it totally worse, because usually in the death scene, like, Romeo is fully good and dead, and then Juliet's like, oh, I've awoken, <laughs> like a damn Disney princess. Oh, yeah. But this, she's waking up as he drinks, and, like, touches his cheek as he drinks the poison and it's just like oh 
This would be spit it out, spit it up, make yourself vomit, stick your finger down your throat. I don't think that works. Sometimes <laughs> poison does more harm than good coming back up. But if the harm is that you're gonna die, I don't know. Ugh, he just it it uh, I'm not that I want those two to be together, honestly. <laughs> they're they're ridiculous human beings. Yeah, it's really it's <sighs> it's a laughable story. But this is a very good telling of it that highlights how ridiculous it is and how ridiculous all of the characters in it are. Well, and entertaining the- our eyeballs with skepti- with spectacle and our ear our ears with delightful music and beautiful language. Yes. As silly as it all is, and you can say like, "Oh, this is ridiculous." It, I mean, it's obviously Shakespeare, so it's like ridiculous for me. But like, it's very well written. <laughs> and it's, what's funny is like this the, is one of his the worst. The language is plays. beautiful. Yeah, but it's still beautiful. I know this is the one that like most people know and most people study, but it's like it's not. It's not even in like the top five. Yeah, people get mad at me because they'll they'll say something about Romeo and Juliet, and I'm like, oh, Romeo and Juliet, and they're like, what? And I'm just like, those idiots. <laughs> the same way that I feel about the Notebook, you selfish idiots. <laughs> but I still love this movie, and I'm just I'm Leo was the absolute perfect Romeo. Oh, he totally was. No one else could have done it. Yeah, because he has this, like, boyish look about him, this boyish feel to him, but still he's got that, like, teenage angst, and he's just so, like, brooding, but then, and, um, fickle, you know? Like, one second Rosaline, oh, the next second Juliet, if he had lived the next week, it would have been some other chick. Some some chick from Mantua. Yeah, he would have been like, oh, look at that. What's Juliet? Hmm. Um, so... Although it looks like only people on Nash live in Mantua. Yeah, that's a problem. How? So I don't know that there were a lot of ladies out there. How many Oscars do you think Leo should get for this? Ten. Me too. I'm giving him a full ten Oscars. Full ten Oscars. Congratulations. Well done. This is this is a good one. And this is a good. We one. didn't this make a mistake. We Leo. got the right envelope. You get you <laughs> get did. all ten yes. ten Oscars, Leo. <laughs> Every envelope in our briefcase says Leo wins. So <laughs> there's no mistake. even when it's it's like <laughs> not. It's like for best uh best screenplay best wait best <laughs> documentary. <laughs> well, yeah, he did he did make a documentary. Oh yeah, that works. Best foreign film, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yes, for his existence. Best foreign film for his existence. Oh, that's for keeping us all happy for this podcast. <sighs> Do you okay, have anything else? So that was. I don't think so. I'm just I'm a little sad because we're over this one now, and I was looking forward to it so much. But and and I mean it was really fun. Um, but but you know what what, what that means? I mean, you know, what's wh- coming? Like it just gets better from here. It does. Well, I mean, I mean, you told me that there's, there's like a there's Jay that Edgar, that, but right? you know that's fun for a different reason. <laughs> I got so excited today when I was driving, and I was like, "Oh my god, catch me if you can!" I know there's <laughs> some really really good stuff coming. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, not next week, but the week Ooh. after. Is a two-parter. I know. I know. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, All now right. that we finished this two hours traffic of our stage, it is time to wrap up. Um, in the meantime, you can find us on iTunes. Please go and subscribe, rate us, leave nice reviews, no meanies, and help us, uh, help other people find the podcast by, you know, I don't know, telling them that you like this podcast. That would be great. You know, we'll, we'll give you a, a solid money back guarantee if your friend doesn't like it. 
We can also be found on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Talk Leopod, and our website is letstalkaboutleo.com. Our theme song was composed by Blake Schmidtberger, and the rest is just a Meredith and Laura, Laura production. Thank you so much for joining us to talk about Leo. Join us next week when we discuss another movie that our parents wouldn't let me see, Marvin's Room. Yay, Marvin's Room! I like Marvin's Room. I've never seen it because our parents wouldn't let me. Well, get ready. All right, everybody, have a great week. Bye! Bye. Thank you.